Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt joins us in studio to answer your family law questions. So whether you're going through a divorce, a separation, custody issues, all that jazz, she is here to answer them. 514-800. So get your questions in early. But first... Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. I'm here to take your questions at the beginning of every show. Actually, somebody texted in. I was just having a conversation with John Paul who asked me about, uh, I guess somebody had texted in about two siblings raised in the same household, but one turns out to be a real jerk and the other one turns out to be really caring. Uh, And this text writes, yes, Lori, but we're not talking about superficial differences here, but rather fundamental, basic ethics, morals, principles, and values to which both siblings have been equally exposed to, yet one One of the two turns out to be an utterly unethical and downright cruel narcissist nonetheless. Uh, You're right. I mean, there are people who have narcissistic personality disorders. Um, It's still not all that well understood in terms of origins. Usually when we look at the origins of that, we we see issues in childhood, whether it's uh, parents, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's divorce, sometimes it's unavailable parents. But in the case that you're describing, that that's not the case. The parents are there for all of those things, and one turns out okay and one not. But oftentimes what I see, just to explain a little bit, the nar- sometimes you see the, the, the narcissist, and then you see the other side, which is the codependent, if we're going to look at generalizations. The codependent is the one that's the giver, the, the kind one, the one who accommodates everybody and all of that. And oftentimes the two end up um, matching up in, uh, in relationships, but the root cause is often, or the root of those two uh, developments is often the same, meaning that, for example, a person who grows up with a parent who is either highly critical or unavailable or has been abandoned to some degree may develop an attitude, well, there's nobody to take care of me. I have to take care of myself. And so it becomes a me, myself, and I. Like it's it's a, it's a coping mechanism early on. The codependency is also a coping mechanism early on where it's, I'm not going to uh, make any trouble. I'm going to um, try and please everybody this way. Uh, You know, everything will be calmer. So they're the kind of person that tries to um, make make peace or or make everybody else feel peaceful and happy and and uh, so that kind of evolves from the same uh, the same root uh, but you know these differences can be accounted for many 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 different factors uh, which are not necessarily related either to uh, to parenting uh, we had there's so many influences in life right. All right, question, where is the male G-spot? So when we talk about the male G-spot, we're talking about the prostate gland, uh, this little gland which can be actually felt on the inside and from the outside. So 
if uh, between the anus and the testicles, there's uh, an area called the perineum, if you push upwards in that area and you put a finger in the anus and push downwards and you would feel something there and that would be the equivalent to the male G-spot. There are sex toys actually that stimulate that area because it can produce for men a lot of pleasurable sensations. Some men don't want that kind of uh, anal play, and that's okay. That's a personal choice. Um, But some men do enjoy that very much. And some men just like it from the outside. So applying a little bit of pressure in that perineum area upwards uh, can also stimulate, uh, stimulate that area. I had a question in regards to birth control. In uh, 2007, I started taking birth control pills as I'm in a long-term relationship. For medical reasons, I had to stop taking the pills. Then I was on Depo-Provera injections every three months. This lasted about three cycles until I decided I didn't like getting poked so much. Those are injections, right? Last year, my boyfriend and I decided to move on to the IUD. After discussing it with my gynecologist, it was a good option and I was a candidate for it. My doctor told me my periods should restart on their own eventually since I'm much less exposed to hormones now. On the pill, I had the typical regular period every month. With the injection, it stopped completely. Now it's been a year and a half I've had the IUD and I still haven't had a period. Should I be worried? So, of course, this is a question that, you know, you should be checking definitely with your gynecologist on your uh, yearly checkup. And uh, the you also don't tell me what kind of IUD. So, there is the Mirena, which is the a very common IUD, but it has hormones in it. Not maybe not the same. It doesn't go not the same as the pill, but nonetheless, if it's a Mirena, the Mirena stops the periods. So you might want to just check it out and find out. Like, is this a just a plain copper IUD, or is or is this the the Mirena, because that would make a difference in terms of periods. But if something is not sitting right with you physically, ask your doctor. Don't be afraid. My girlfriend and I have been together for a year. We've had some great sex. Uh, We uh, tested ourselves for STDs, STIs since, although we were each each other's first sexual partners, we still wanted to be 100% sure we would not catch anything from the other. Better to be safe than sorry. The test came back and they were all negative, which is great since uh, we want a long-term relationship. Since we have nothing and my girlfriend is taking the pill, um, we have debated our want to use the condom. Now, I know that the combined birth control pill is high, highly effective at preventing both, S- both STD, STI, and unwanted pregnancies. Oh, the pill plus the condom. Yes, so if you're using the pill and a condom, because just the pill alone cannot protect you from uh, sexually transmitted infections, by the way. Uh, My question is, what is the effectiveness of the pill alone and what can be done, condom notwithstanding, to aid in the effectiveness of the pill since we both know that we will not need the STI protective properties of the condom in its prevention of unwanted pregnancies. So you're, you both got tested. There's nothing to worry about. You're both exclusive with each other. Then just the pill is fine if used 
uh, properly. It is 99% effective, pretty much, 98, 99%. Uh, it should be taken pretty much as much as possible every uh, day, uh, of course, every day, but at the same time every day. And the only time it's not effective is because of the way people take it or mistake it, right? So, um, for example, if you skip a pill, you skip two pills and this puts you at risk. The other thing too you should worry about is if your partner is on um, antibiotics. So antibiotics could uh, make the pill much less effective. So when you're on antibiotics, please make sure that you do wear a condom when your partner is on antibiotics. So those are the things that you have to uh, worry about. Otherwise... You're good to go. It's a it, it's a good option. If you have any questions pertaining to family law, if you're going through something, a divorce, or thinking about it, or you have questions specifically about custody or any of the financial issues that come up with a divorce and, of course, all the legal issues, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will be very happy to answer those questions. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Are you going through a divorce, a separation? Do you have legal questions? Metro Linda Hammerschmidt is in studio offering up her expertise for you. 514-800 to text in. You can call in to speak to Metro Linda Hammerschmidt at 514-790-0800. So lovely to see you in studio. Well, thank you very much. And it was wonderful last week seeing you and your element of adoring fans oh, yes. and colleagues for that matter. <laughs> at your 20th it was fun we had a, a good yeah. time and thank you for being there and well, I know our listeners appreciated meeting you as well oh well I had a great time with them oh great good uh, so last time you were here we we touched on child benefits and I think that's a big question for people who gets the child benefits uh, it, let's say if uh, if people if kids go 50 50 what happens to the child benefits well, even if they don't go 50-50, but they have more than one child, uh, by agreement, they can decide who's going to take the benefit for one or the other child, or let's say there's three kids and one parent maybe has more a higher income, could take two children. They can agree to what they want. Okay, so it's okay. not set in... However, obviously, if they don't agree, that's something else. Right. And uh, the family allowance goes to the parent normally who has sole custody. Uh, physical? Uh, well, well, sole custody is a legal concept. It's not a split-time concept. Okay. So the person who has sole custody means that they're the ones with whom make all theoretically make all the decisions, although the other parent always has an oversight uh, recourse if they don't agree with some of the decisions that are made, not like, uh, what should I buy uh, as a skirt for uh, Janie right. this week, but, you know, what school, what religion, uh, what kind of... Uh, special education, whatever, those kind of uh, subject matters for the child are always the realm of both parents' input. No matter what, even if one has sole custody. Sole custody. So why would, why would somebody go for sole custody and not... Uh, uh, what, what's the other, what's the alternative? The well, you can have co joint custody. Joint custody, right. 
So what, like what, in what situations does sole custody happen versus joint custody? Well, sometimes one parent's not interested in having, yeah, the, that, okay, you know, that's true. Ch- mm-hmm. children, or the parent who's asking for sole custody doesn't believe the other parent is qualified to, to take care of the child or children in question. Um, you have to ask yourself then why do they bother to have children mm-hmm. with that person? But that's a whole other. But you isn't know, that, that's a whole other show, right? But isn't that isn't there? There's joint physical custody and then joint custody, like the the decision making part. And normally, the, if you have split time, then you're also going to be having split custody legally in okay. the sense. It's, but you can have access uh, for forty five percent of the time without necessarily having the moniker of custody uh mm-hmm. under your purview so there are many ramifications to how you can fix that but if they have for example joint custody then it's a it's a question of the uh, the amount can be split for the family allowance and if certain if circumstances change then the parent advises the government and the amount goes back either to one parent or or changes to the other parent let's say well, the children start out with one parent and the family allowance is going there and then they have joint custody and the government splits the amount of money between them and then later on the one that didn't originally have sole custody now gets it and the other one doesn't get you know back and Boy, forth that's of course confusing. of course the kids will end up needing a psychologist which is where you come in right yeah well <laughs> I I don't work with children, but yes. Now, the other thing is that uh, if they have new relationships, the parents with other people, the issue of the level of income of that new partner is also taken into consideration by the government uh, because as it does if it's just between the parents, because if you have uh, exceed a a certain amount of money that the government has established as being the cutoff, uh, then you won't get the family allowance it's not supposed to be you know you're a millionaire and you needed that extra mm-hmm. couple of hundred bucks to to, to, right. to get by but if your partner earns a substantial amount of money your new partner not necessarily married but you're living together then that that can influence the amount you get oh I okay and sometimes because normally the benefits are fixed somehow for whatever reason in July I guess mm-hmm. they figure the government has had time by the end of April to figure, figure out, it out you yeah. know whatever mm-hmm. but they send you a, a a letter a notice to say that it's been set the amount that you're going to be getting has been set for July to June of the next year mm-hmm. but it from backwards of the last tax uh, yeah. return so uh, this can change also and if in the interim, somebody's living with somebody else now uh, in that famous that everybody likes to say common law, but they're just mm-hmm. living together and, and they're filing their tax returns and marking that they're living with somebody and whatever like this. And the government sees this. It'll adjust the amount. Okay. And in some cases, I've had a client that the, the ex-husband-to-be's uh, amount was in one particular year, substantially more than had normally been speaking, and the mother had received the child allowance, they sent her a bill to pay back. Like oh, wow. three grand. <laughs> wow. That, but I thought it, doesn't it go to the one parent who has less money or makes no, less money? It goes to no. who has the children. Who has the children. And then the amount is, is uh, determined often by the income. 
Okay. But again, if the, the both parents have the children equally... Then it's split. Yeah. Okay. Then it, even though one parent makes far more than the other? Yeah, but it may split. not be the same amount that they get. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. Okay. So one parent will get Let's less. Let's say it's $100 instead of 50-50. It could be 75 for one and 25 for the other. Right. Uh, all right. Well, that's very confusing. But anyhow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I know. That's Those the law. Are, that's the law. And that's why we need lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 514-800. Uh, you've just accurately described my codependent mother enabling my narcissistic brother, Lori. So I think this is the answer that I was talking about before. Uh, yet I can't relate to either of those dysfunctional extremes and find myself at a dead end in terms of what more I can do. In order to make her acknowledge the abuse and cease enabling him as she refuses to listen to reason and logic and won't accept any help whatsoever, even though it's reached the critical point where she's now endangering both herself and her family, is there any legal recourse that I can take which won't necessarily require her testimony for the sake of both our protection. How do you, so in other words, how do you, I don't even understand so, what so, you're talking about okay, here. You're talking me, about from before and we haven't, no, is this, this from is this before is, I came this on the is, air. Yes. Except okay. that, except that here's the situation. So she's talking about a, a sibling who is basically abusive to the mother uh, and who's an, who's narcissistic and and what have you, and she wants to know if there's any legal recourse that she can take without having her mother testify. I can't imagine no. that there's anything she can do. Unfortunately, if the mother is enabling, if the mother isn't going to testify as to what's going on in the in the manner that the person who's writing wishes her to speak. I mean, if she's not going to go and say met probably in a courtroom if she lets the abuse happen and she enables him to do it. She's not going to go into a courtroom and say, yeah, he abuses me. Right. So, and without testimony, it's basically like in a criminal assault case where the victim uh, refuses to testify. The, The Crown can still, you know, go ahead with the trial, mm-hmm. but the chances of success if you don't have the victim saying he, she hit me uh, on this date, uh, in this on uh, this part of my body, and I broke it to whatever, uh, the right. chances of conviction are right. So not great. Unfortunately, very little she can do. It's such a sad situation when family members end up seeing this. You know, on the other hand, depends on the kind of abuse because if it's physical abuse, that's di- then you can step in if it's physical. Well, you abuse. can ask yeah. the police to step in. Right. Well, but this is a little different. I think this is probably a little bit different. Uh, Our son-in-law is very successful, but is not a nice man. When I die, I never want him to receive any of my money. Does this mean I must leave and I mustn't leave any money to my daughter? No, but she could create a trust, perhaps, uh, that would uh, name her daughter as a beneficiary. And there's a way, I'm sure, to set that up that uh, the money, the capital amount in any event, wouldn't become part of uh, the family patrimony or partnership of a quest. But if she's going to end up getting a some sort of an income from it on a yearly basis, uh, and this could factor in down the road in a divorce between the not mm-hmm. nice, well-to-do son-in-law and her, 
depends on the amount of money we're talking about. You know, if she's right. going to get three thousand dollars income a year. It's not going to be a big deal if she gets three hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, that's going to be a deal, right? And it'll be it'll that will be in the discussion in the in. Well, certainly so the, the other side is going to bring it. To it. Well, mm-hmm. the information and not 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 access to the money, but it's certainly so going to show. Income. No, it's no? but it's yeah. Start again. <laughs> she said her son-in-law is well-to-do, but yes. not nice. So presumably he doesn't need support, right? But normally speaking, without this money from the mother, maybe the daughter would have needed support if the. They get divorced. Gotcha. But if she's earning $300,000, she's not going to get support either. Right. Unless he's a billionaire. There you go. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt in studio answering your questions. So what to do in, in, the, in the situation of passports? I've seen the situation where one parent holds on to the passports and then refuses to hand them over to another parent for travel or what have you. What do you do in a situation like this? Well, uh, if you're telling me that the other parent has already booked a trip... And needs the passport? Is that what you're telling me? Or? Well, either situation. Or because you don't need to, take... to you don't need to transfer passports every time there's a weekend visit if they're not going anywhere. Right, but if they cross, let's Unlike say, a let's Medicare say they want to go. Right, but let's say they want to go to uh, you know New York State, like not far, like Plattsburgh, well, whatever. Well, first of all, they shouldn't be going out of the jurisdiction, in my opinion, without advising the other parent. So the other parent needs to know, okay? Yeah. And yeah. what if the other parent says, "No, sorry, I'm not giving you the passports." Well, then you're going to have to document it and end up in a courtroom asking for permission to go on trips such as that, uh, and and get a judgment. It's onerous if you have to do it more than once. Normally, these kind of requests end up because they want to go to Europe for an ex- you know mm-hmm. several weeks or 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 something other than you know want to go to New York for the weekend. Right, unless there's also a fear that the a fear one yeah, parent for kidnapping, has that for kidnapping purposes. Yeah, but yes. most parents, even divorced. Uh, don't fall into that category of one parent no, being a kidnapper. A, Thank extreme. goodness. Yes, exactly. Thank goodness. And uh, you can't wake up one morning after being married to somebody and and uh, now allege that they're kidnappers, potential kidnappers, you know, just right. because they may have an ethnicity that's mm-hmm. not from Montreal. Right. Okay. And and I and I've ha- had that kind of a file, you know, all of a sudden uh, he's going to kidnap the kid uh, Egypt. Mm-hmm. She didn't know he was Egyptian when she married him mm-hmm. and had the children with him. No, and he was wearing a bag on his head for all that time. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness, my husband's Egyptian. Right. Well, some people have fears. I mean, I you know, and especially when it ends badly, unfortunately. Yes, but <laughs> these are the often the same type of people who allowed their husband or wife, to travel with their children before. to these places before. Right. And they came back. Right. So, so the judge looks at all that, obviously. One would hope. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, going back to that terrible situation of uh, the mother who's being uh, basically abused by her uh, adult son, uh, what about in the case where she's developing dementia and not in the right state of mind to realize what's actually occurring and in a sense being brainwashed as well? Can't a rational family member step in and testify on her behalf? Well, if she has dementia, then yes, but then you're going to have perhaps uh, doctors also being just not just a family member that's going to come in, better a doctor that's going to be able to attest to the medical, mental health of this person should they be... uh, you know, mm-hmm. committed uh, for their own protection, all sorts of things. You can ask for curatorship. You yeah, can this is ask what for... someone was texting yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. that without uh, curatorship could be a solution. So, how do you go about doing that? Well, there's a whole process mm. to take that, and again, you're going to probably, you know, need doctor's report or something like that to be able to prove. And of course, depending on if they're not full fledged. Uh, in the throes of Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever, it's possible that the parent's going to come and say, no, I'm not nuts in court. Mm. And if they're able to sustain that during a trial, you know, for the length of the trial period, then a judge is maybe going to have, you know, a harder decision, uh, time making a decision uh, than... These are very complicated. But I... I'd like to know what kind of abuse we're talking about because both times this question has not, it just says abuse, but it doesn't say what kind of abuse. Right, right. Is it like it taking money taking out of the bank money. account? Yeah, yeah, uh, it could be. Uh, locking the person in a room, chaining them to the wall, uh, hitting right. them, What you know, right. many yes, forms. Yes, and that would make a difference yeah, in terms of, course. of what, what recourse the person And is this have. person living with the mother? the abuser Mm -hmm. as opposed to you know just comes over to do the abuses right so all these things uh, do matter 514-800 you still have some time left if you want to speak to Maitre Linda Hammerschmidt or have some questions uh, for her you did you want to talk about something differently when it comes to passports well I was just going to bring up that uh, some uh, people uh, based on their uh, origin of birth have dual passports Mm -hmm. you know the european passport and a canadian passport and uh when somebody has uh been ordered to pay alimony or child support and doesn't and uh, they're uh, advised that they have to and they still don't and it becomes a serious ongoing parent yeah Mm -hmm. i hate that term but anyway (laughs) um uh, the preceptor's office can uh, apply to have the Canadian passport like suspended. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a question of whether or not uh, the person can use their European passport to travel. And in some cases, depending on you know, I guess the, uh, uh, the on on the on the on the nose type of work at immigration when you're passing through, you could be arrested <clears throat> for mm-hmm. traveling on the European passport, knowing that your Canadian passport suspended, meaning you're not supposed to be traveling. Would they be able to know that by looking at their the, the European yeah, passport? Okay, well. Right, it's all in there. Yeah, among okay. other information besides your ticket and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's playing with fire. Is that a reason 
in a particular case to refuse to allow somebody to travel, like lift the suspension based on the person who should have been receiving the alimony or uh, or not? Is that a good reason? And what's the reason for the travel in the first place? And is it with or without children? And, and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So, But it's something that people should be aware of, that just because you have two passports doesn't mean that you, <laughs> when you you're passing access. customs, that you're going to have you know easy sailing. Right. So I want to go back because the texter wrote back about the the son-in-law. Uh-huh. She, I, I think she didn't feel you understood her question, although I, I, I'm an elderly. You don't want the son-in-law to have your money. Right. She says he's abusive. I never want him to get any of my money, which my daughter may be forced to share with him. Must I leave her out of my will? Why don't you just spend all your money now and you don't have to worry about who you're leaving it to? No, you don't have to leave her out of your will. But as I said, you could create a trust with a will. And you should get a a trust specialist to help you with that. And then uh, and you can have, as opposed to uh, uh, somebody, you could have a bank or a trust company be the administrators of the trust. Mm -hmm. And it's not like the husband can go and, you know, take it out, take money out or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's going to depend what the daughter, if they're still married, is going to be spending whatever money she gets out of the trusts. And depending on what she puts it into, it could become family patrimony. I guess so. the fear would be, I, I'm just thinking now, like <clears throat> if if this, if this she's in an abusive situation herself okay, and she it. may feel... Hold it. What? We have two different... No, no, the son-in-law is abusive. Okay, we'll get back to that. We, we need to... One was the sibling. No, this no, is well, this is a person. whole other person. This yeah. is a whole other situation. Yeah, but in the but... original question, it didn't say he was abusive. No, it just he said was he wasn't nice. Nice. Well, uh, she now that wrote that he was abusive. <laughs> anyway. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. All right. Do we want to revisit this? Uh, you know what I'm thinking? Uh, yeah, I just want uh, Here's what I'm thinking, okay? That that this mother is worried about her daughter who's in an, possibly in an abusive relationship and that if she leaves this daughter any money whatsoever, that he's going to somehow get his hands on it, possibly because of the abusive nature of their um, relationship. So my advice is that she should take some of this money that she's worried about leaving to her daughter and get her daughter some therapy so her daughter can get divorced and then she can leave her all the money she wants. All right. I understood the question perfectly, but you know, it gets to the point where even if you have a trust and the daughter's going to get something and she hasn't had help to get a backbone to stand up to this guy, she's going to take her $20,000 quarterly payment and and end up giving it to him anyway. So it doesn't matter unless the daughter learns to just say no. Mm. I wish it was that simple. I didn't say it's simple, but she needs therapy. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we were watching on the news about the anti-vaxxers and all that. What happens in a situation where you have two parents who are divorced and their kids need vaccinations or the vaccination schedule? Whatever? And one parent says, no, I don't want to vaccinate my kids. Anytime and the other a, parent says, yeah. Anytime parents disagree on something about the children, they, uh, the only other recourse is to go to a courtroom and get a judgment one way or another. Somebody's going to get what they want. Somebody isn't. Okay, so you'd have to take that parent to court. You'd have to go to court. 
and let the judge decide. Yeah, unless you can find a doctor that's going to shove a needle in the kid, kid, you know, unbeknownst to the other one while they're at work. Well, that would... Uh... That's possible. <clears throat> right. That Yeah, that wouldn't be the most honest way to no, go. No, of course but, it yeah. won't be the honest mm-hmm. way, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's cheaper than going to court. But it may not work for the second time around. Right. But normally speaking, if they've just been born, they're going to get a series of yes, a, vaccinations, a which hopefully at that juncture they're not already fighting over. And I bring up this point. If you haven't talked about what the philosophy of your mm-hmm. husband and wife-to-be is before, time. maybe this is one of the subjects that should be brought up. Mm-hmm. What do you think about vaccinations? And you find out that you're marrying Gwyneth Paltrow and you don't <laughs> like that, you get the hell out. Uh, this text writes, what if one parent has uh, sole custody? So here we go. It goes back to uh, th- that doesn't necessarily mean just because you have sole custody that the other parent doesn't have a say in that kind of. Uh, Both parents always have a right of supervision on medical, educational no dealings of the children, no matter what. Okay. The only trouble is that when somebody has sole custody and acts quickly, you're then <clears throat> coming from behind as the other parent. To, you know, the kid is enrolled in a school that for whatever reason the other parent doesn't like, but the kid's already enrolled in school. Mm-hmm. So you take a motion and you want the kid to go to the other school, school B. And okay, now it's November and no judge normally speaking, unless it's really, really critical, is going to make the child get out of school A to go to school B in the mm-hmm. middle of a term. Okay. On the other hand, just like I always like to say, when people are married and they move to another uh, province, country, or whatever, and the kid's uprooted in the middle of November to go to another school, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But when they're getting divorced, it's not so great. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem fair, does it? Well, it isn't. No. But then if everything was fair, nobody would be having a problem and the and no world one, would be yeah. a lovely place uh, yes. and everything. Nobody would, be, would need lawyers. Every be sunshine and there wouldn't be any cloudy days and everybody would be happy and they wouldn't need you either because they would not have no problems to talk about and yada yada. All right. Next question. Passport related question. When my ex-husband left home, he tried to leave with my daughter in front of two policemen. There we finalize our divorce. If he wants to... If he wants to bring her to Haiti, is can I refuse? I have custody, and he, I don't even. I, this message is all over. Okay, the, first I have of all, he comes to have it. I don't know what that means. When I don't know what finalize our divorce is. If you have a consent, you can put in terms into consent okay. about traveling and getting the approval of of uh, the other parent or travel authorization forms or whatever. You can have a bond written into the consent that you have to, every time you go to, I don't know, Haiti, Egypt, mm-hmm. wherever the heck you're going, you have to deposit $10,000 in a security deposit so the other person will have the money in case they have to go and fight you over the Hague Convention to get mm-hmm. the kid back now that you're not coming back yet, you know? So there's all kinds of stipulations that Why can be arranged. Why can't you people talk to each other before you get together and have these children so that you know what you're doing before and save all these problems and unblock yes, the courtrooms and let me retire? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but that's not your job. You do the stuff after, unfortunately. You yes, have to help clean I, up the messes. You know I'm, I'm honest enough to say that I try to have these people avoid these problems so they right. don't need me. I know, I know. 
I know. And avoid court as much as possible too, right? Come to some agreement. Even if you couldn't do talk about it before, please talk about it after. Like the only people who suffer in all of this is... Everybody. Uh, well, yeah, everybody, right. Including and, the lawyers. Yeah, but at least you get paid. <laughs> That's not always a given either. I guess not. Believe me. Oh, If man. I had all the money that people didn't pay me in the last 37 years, I wouldn't have needed the money I made. Right. <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier about... Uh, Parents who, let's say, refuse to pay uh, child support mm -hmm. or just they, they just don't, even though there's a judgment after judgment that says they have to. What the hell is the recourse in a situation like that? Well, when it's really that kind of chronic lateness and the amounts are significant and uh, it's been going on for years, you can take a motion for contempt and the non-payers have been sentenced to jail okay sometimes that doesn't stop it either you know because people who are determined not to pay for whatever reason you know just won't or they can even disappear right i've unknown. seen parents uh, well in situations where the parent has left the country and then so it's much harder to recoup any kind of money if the parent well has yes left unless the there was a brick and mortar building here which you can seize and after a certain point in time, if you have four kids and they're supposed to be paid, I don't know, several thousand dollars a month, and the person left, uh, even if you sell this house, unless it was on the top of the mountain, uh, eventually you're going to run out of money mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if they don't come back and cough up what they should right. pay. But that's the thing is get trying to get money when somebody is out of here. Yeah, but what I'm saying is unless you have assets here or yeah, let's maybe say no in the assets. United States. Let's but, say no assets. Well, the, then the you're person, in trouble. Then you're you're in trouble. Yeah. That happens a lot, but probably quite a bit, no? Well, more than it should, for sure. But, yeah. And I've never understood why parents don't want to pay for their children. Yeah, I don't quite Except that. Except out of spite. Mm, in which case, they shouldn't have had children in the first place. And well, they're schmucks. Again, that's the going backwards. <laughs> and but, it can be women as as well yeah, as men. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not gender, uh, gender focused necessarily. It's a dirty, dirty, dirty business. Yes, as you always like to say, the yeah. other side of... The ugly side mm -hmm. of passion is what I'd like to say, you know. It's definitely it's passionate, though. But, but it's, it's, it's always amazing, right, that, that all this ugliness comes out of where two people who once really loved each other yeah, yeah. enough that they made children together and enough that they spent all this time together, and then all this ugliness comes out. It's just... It's heartbreaking, really. Yes, it's heartbreaking. it is. I agree with you. Yeah. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, always a joy to see you in studio. Thank always you. a pleasure to hear your expertise. So you and I won't and be rants. on until October, right? Yeah, next month you will be on with Paris Mansouri. But our listeners, what matters is our listeners will get their answers, questions answered. That's the most important thing. So thank you very much. If people want to get in touch with you, is there where can they reach you? You can call the office at 514-846-1013. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you guys for sending in your questions and for listening. Thanks to Chris in Master Control. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, you've got the uh, CTV National News. And by the way, if you want to connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, uh, Dr. Lori. 
www.thelifeofyourlife.com. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Just stop your feet, just dance.